Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome. This is the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison. I am uh, the worship arts director here at Lake Forest Church in Huntersville. And I'm Mike Moses, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church Huntersville and one of the lead pastors in the Lake Forest family of churches. Good morning. How are you today, Harrison? I am doing very well, Mike. We uh, we missed you on Sunday, but it was neat for us to have Aaron Gibson back here. And uh, it sounds like you had a a good time hanging out over at uh, Westlake on Sunday a couple days ago. Yes, this week's episode, I'm going to talk about some future plans for our church to address matters of the church, the Bible, God, LGBTQ, in particular uh, transgender identity matters later this spring. But first, my experience uh, preaching at Lake Forest Church Westlake, which is in Denver, you just go across 73 under the Callens Ford Dam over into the left or wrong side of Lake Norman, Lincoln <laughs> County there. Uh, and you take 73 past the uh, Zaxby's Chicken and the Walmart. And you take a right on New Highway 16. If any of you guys ever go up to Hickory or Lenore or you're going to Blowing Rock, hopefully you've used your Google Maps and know that that's the fastest way now. You don't have to fight through traffic on 77 in Mooresville. Anyway, I go there a lot. Um but you go up Highway 16, and after, uh, and then you take a left at the first exit, a right on the first road, and a mile up is the brand spanking new year-and-a-half-old building of Lake Forest Church over there. They it's just call beautiful. themselves, on Sundays, they call themselves Lake Forest Church. Yep. Here, we've stopped saying, welcome to Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. We just say Lake Forest Church. Yep. Um, and they do the same thing. Uh, and, it, oh, man, it, here's what was fun. I drove up, and, you know, we get here early. You and the tech and the band get here the earliest. And so I drove in, and their whole parking lot is empty, except for a few cars, the band and tech. And half of those cars were parked on grass. And I was like, what's up with this? Like, is it, okay, it's Lincoln County. Is it like people prefer to park in the grass? Is that like a... Got to get the grass on yeah, your tires. Yeah. Is that like a, you, you might be a redneck if? And I was like, no, these are sophisticated people. Um, what it is, is uh, I had heard from Pastor Aaron that they've had Sundays this last six months where their parking is completely full and they're parking people on grass. So much so that they're allocating some of their extra funds from last year to create a large gravel parking space. Uh, so, so in other words, there's a movement of God happening in that church, Harrison, yep. and I absolutely experienced it in their, their first worship. It's the first time I'd worship with them in their building, even though it's been a year and a half. Um, uh, number one, it, it is the most um, uh, probably re- congruent <laughs> worship experience to worshiping with us on a Sunday. I felt the extreme kinship. Oh, I'm with my brother and my sister here. This is, you know, like me and my brother, when people see us together, they're like, yeah, we get it. Your brothers, you got that butt chin going on. Um, and I had that experience. Uh, there was fervency. Uh, the room was full. Yeah. There was fervency. Um, the, 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 there was skill from the, the stage as well as authenticity, hmm. I, I would say. And awesome. when I got up to teach God's word, it was the same sermon as a Sunday ago. And there was one guy there who was like, oh, snap. I was at Huntersville last week. I'm about to hear the same thing. As soon as I announced, turn to Luke chapter 8. Yep. Um, uh, Joe, I'm sorry you had to endure that. <laughs> but um, 
they were so receptive. It was mm. like a, when you preach, uh, you know when an audience is receptive or when you got to work a little bit or they're a little quizzical, like, okay, let's see. You know, they, were, they just embraced me before I said anything. And, and most of them, because they've come since the building opened, they don't know me. This is what I loved about it. Yep. Uh, they don't know me. And yet they were embracing, first of all, just as a guest, I think that's probably their gregariousness as a congregation, now seems to match ours. I didn't feel that when they were in the Y and the school. Um, and then they did embrace this, the familyness, and I spent some time loving on them and talking about a time back in 2014 2014, yes, when Lake Forest Huntersville didn't have enough parking. We were parking in grass across the street. I parked across the street across Gilead and walked across it at Odark 30 every Sunday morning. We didn't have room, and we realized, wait, a lot of these people taking up our parking spaces, our kids' spaces, and worship seats are driving from Denver. Uh, And they started asking for a Lake Forest church over there, and the story continues. So I retold that story a little bit, which was delightful enough about that but it was a i walk you can imagine how encouraged i was harrison to see the fruit of lake forest huntersville and at that time lake forest davidson's generosity of sending money and people and now this church pushes over a thousand Mm. people from uh from time to time i've also experienced kind of the coolness of our family of churches um of Victor Leal, our lead pastor of uh, Lake Forest, El Buen Samaritano, that meets right here in the Huntington Green neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, invited me yesterday with his extra ticket to go to the Charlotte FC opener no! on Saturday night, bro. What? I've never been, so family of churches, I'm going to hang out with Victor. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited. Oh, Not is- as cool as you preaching in Westlake, but I am, I am excited I don't know. about it. <laughs> That is just a continuous party, the Charlotte FC games. Oh, man, I'm excited. That's a good time. And I'm excited to hang with Victor to do it, which is going to be super oh, cool. But yeah. Learn, it, you follow his cues on soccer fandom. I will. I'm going to try to. Uh, it was a, it was good having Aaron Gibson here those Sunday as well, Mike, and he spoke. Uh, he said if, he, if anyone ever brought this up, he would deny it vehemently, but he spoke very kindly and generously about you as a partner uh, with him, and it was – for the same reason, it was really neat having Aaron Gibson here. Uh, a lot of people, we realized it's been, I mean, numerous years yeah. pre-COVID yeah. Um, since Aaron's been over here. So it was just, it was cool for everybody. It was a good Sunday. Well, as we contemplate our next two church plants we the, at the elder level for the family of churches, we're, re, re, uh, we're tweaking our model of how we live together productively as a family of churches and uh, Aaron and I feel led to restart the pulpit swap from time to time. Yeah. So, uh, so that won't be the last time we do that. Um, well, I wanted to, you guys, first of all, um, those of you listening to the podcast, you are more than likely uh, so, somewhat of a regular, uh, generous giver uh, to the Lord's work in this world through your church. And I hope you take joy when you hear about fruitfulness at our sister or daughter churches mm-hmm. um, because it it it's our generosity doing something that doesn't even affect us in that sense and yet people are finding life in Christ one man came up to me after my sermon in tears and he said Mike you're such a better preacher than Aaron can you come back no that's not that's not what he said. <laughs> I told Aaron that last night in the elder meeting oh, uh, 
No. He was just grateful for what he's experiencing in his life Mm. of the love of God through Jesus and just wanted to say, I hope this keeps going. Um, And so all of us, we we have a little bit of a hand in that fruit. Um, Mm. So I want to talk about something that I, uh, a a memo I sent to our staff last week, last Mm. Wednesday to be specific, and I'm going to, I kind of want to verbally give the memo to you, our podcast listeners. So you're, you're, I'm treating you like staff today. Um, it's not something I'll release to the congregation until it's time to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's something that, um, that I, I wasn't asking the Lord to lead me to lead us in, in 2023. Uh, in fact, I might have avoided it for a year or two, mm-hmm. a little over much, but I, uh, at, uh, I think I've mentioned to you all my um, second week in January lead pastors conference I go to every year in Orlando, and thankfully our host knows people who knows people, and at, in the middle of it, I get to play what used to be Tiger Woods' home course. It's <laughs> outstanding, except when I call for winter rules, you know, like when, when I'd like to improve my balls lie, that you can do that here, Yep. because, you know, in the winter, there's just not much grass. They don't allow my winter rules call in Orlando in mm. January. You can't move your ball. That's Not cool. Kind of a, kind of a bummer. Yeah, um, especially since you often get mistaken for Tiger Woods when you're there. So, <laughs> uh-huh. guess they got to hold you to the mm-hmm, standard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, at that conference with these with my pastor buddies of many years, and then it refreshes. There's some younger ones there. Um, I just we do a number of things. We create our own agenda. And what is on our hearts and minds for our churches and ourselves as lead pastors. And we tend to one another the state of our soul. And we tend to the state of our leadership in our church and where it sits in culture. And a number one thing, the top three things that the group wanted to discuss is, one of those top three was, what is, how is your church engaging the change in culture, the cultural conversation and temperature around LGBTQ matters and persons and views and us as the church with uh who uh believe in the infallibility of scripture mm-hmm. and hold to that what are, how are you all doing and as everyone went around i had this sense of personally as a lead pastor i'm behind hmm. um and i have led our church to be behind they were quoting authors and engagements with the top thought today and the thought about what's what's in teen culture, what's in the water, um, with this massive up increase of teens when they kind of feel like they're they don't fit in their skin, which is a normal teenage experience. Culture right now, so many things, and it leads them to go, "Oh, it's because I'm not the right gender." You know, that's mm-hmm. a there are people who experience gender dysphoria, but the percent of of young teens right now reporting that is statistically impossible to be accurate. Hmm. And and so all this stuff that's going on, I was impressed that many of our leading EPC churches and pastors have been grappling with this, with the Scripture, with their people, with parents of teens, with teens, um, f- farther ahead than I have led our church to be. And, and I could say that, that maybe that's part of coming out of COVID as well. We were focused on a few things. And this is... And, and so... I just wrote down in my notebook, Mike, to be responsible to our people. We owe a an honest, fresh look at the Bible, 
as it intersects with culture and real life and how this touches every family in our church in some way uh, in 2023. How do you feel, Mike, when you're approaching um, over, I mean, you've, you've been a pastor for a while and there's every so often there, there are issues that are going on that people just feel strongly about. And it is your job as a lead pastor to the church. Just how do you personally feel when things like that pop up and you're like, you know what, we got to deal with this and we got to get into it. And I know on every side, there are going to be people that one way or another feel very strongly about wherever we're going to land. In the first number of years of our church, we were just a church plant trying to make it happen the next week. And I focused on personal relationship with God and and as I look back on my preaching, it was f- in spiritual disciplines. And then almost the only other thing we did were relationship matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a strength to that. But for example, if you had gone back and listened to my, uh, or saw ma- manuscripts of my, transcripts of my sermons in those earliest five, seven years, you would have never been able to tell when there was a presidential election, mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, some anything like of that magnitude. I just didn't touch anything, and part of that was uh, my own v- view of spirituality has uh, changed a bit. I think um, to include the public part of ourselves, not just the private part of ourselves, and that's a good thing, and that's a trend within uh, biblical Christianity. I think hmm. um, so. So honestly, when I wrote this down in my journal at that conference, sitting around really soaking in what these these pastors were saying they've been doing with their churches and for their churches, I had, um, I mean, honestly, a sense of fear. Our church is in a point of momentum, uh, um, spiritually, in terms of our experience of the Holy Spirit. We have other priorities to growing and being a Spirit-filled church, a Spirit-led church, to growing into being a church that, in the ways that we do ministry, um, allows for us to slowly more um, accurately reflect the ethnicity of our zip code so that we're more a picture of the kingdom and we're mm-hmm. more hospitable to our whole community, not just s- one ethnic segment of our zip code. That's not kingdom, you know, the best kingdom work. Those are important, big priorities. Why do I really want to throw this into it? And so I came back and tested this with the elders, and they said, yes, that you're right, Mike. You know, because... Matters surrounding transgenderism, same-sex marriage, it's everywhere in culture. Members of our flock encounter this every day as thinking people, as parents, as teenagers, as yep. grade school children. Mm-hmm. And, and realizing, mm. I just said to the elders, it's been a few years since we've taken our responsibility to give clear leadership from the Bible to our precious folks in a focused and comprehensive manner, right? Not like a one-off sentence. Uh, and we did that in the winter of 18 or 19. Uh, we had a focused sermon that I worried about <laughs> I remember. for months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I put the finishing touches on it, sitting with my dad, giving my mom a weekend away when he was descending into the fog of Alzheimer's. And I, he kept asking me what I was doing. And I was like, Dad, I'm going to preach the most dangerous sermon I've preached in a decade. <laughs> he go, oh, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> and I had all my books spread out in their house, and I was there for three days. And then I drove in Saturday night and preached that sermon. It was a beautiful Sunday, quite frankly. Mm. Uh, I held up orthodoxy, and I held up repentance on behalf of the church for our mistreatment of, of this community and uh, and some biblical signposts of the way forward um, to be loving and welcoming. 
Um, and then we followed up the next night with an extended lecture that packed the house. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm not going to try to make this fun or funny or sexy. We're just going to go through every biblical passage. It's going to be boring unless you're fired up about this subject. So I'm in, uh, uh, that was in 2018, 2019. It was all very well received, actually. Um, but the culture has moved so swiftly since then yep. around all LGBTQ plus considerations that uh, – and then the, due to the pandemic focus, we have fallen behind. I'm going to say I, as your leader, lead pastor, and we have fallen behind as a church – on sort of being exposed to and up on current best pastoral thinking. In particular, the matter was homosexuality, even just back 2018. The the word on the tip of everybody's tongue right now is, what about transgenderism and the Bible? Mm -hmm. And is your church hateful? Is our church hateful? This is what people are asking me. And so I'm catching right now, that's the focus of my reading. I'm going to a conference next week. I'm being humble. I'm soaking in from who the the leaders nationally and denominationally that I trust the most. I'm learning from those few voices, and I'm going to tell you who I think they are and suggest you to join me in my reading, friends, uh, at, at, um, until we come out of the water with this as a church late spring sometime after Easter. And so what I did was I set myself a deadline by bringing it to the elders at our first meeting of the new year. The, just the Huntersville elders. This is not the family of churches. I'm not responsible for what, what they, they, they need in any given year, but I am here. And the Huntersville elders were like, yes, and, oh my gosh, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, don't blow our church up. Our beautiful church that we love <laughs> so much, don't blow it up. Yep. <laughs> but they, they trust me. They, were, they, they didn't really. I, I joke about that more than them. They know our church. They know that we have all gathered at Lake Forest around a, a unique vision and ethos that I, I'm not even going to try to put words to at this moment, but I think all of you who lean in as listeners here, you understand that we have a distinctive ethos as a Bible-believing grace-centered church uh, focused on the essentials in Jesus Christ, giving grace and charity and liberty on non-essentials of the faith. And in the end, you guys, it, it is not an essential of the faith how you think the Bible comes down on matters of LGBTQ. You do not have to agree with the position of our, the position of our denomination and our pastors yep. to be a ministry partner here. <clears throat> To be a leader here, you would just need to agree to not teach against it. So we do view this as a non-essential, but it is important um, that we speak uh, lovingly. I I think something I was struck by, the youngest pastor of one of our large EPC churches in Denver recently assumed the pulpit. He can't be more than 40 years old, um, and he looks 25. Uh, And he recently led their church to to focus on these matters and equip people biblically. and he said, uh, he said, because, number one, the most loving, th- as loving as we want to be to everybody, the most loving thing we can do is equip people to live a, a lifestyle uh, uh, of biblical faithfulness regarding their own sexuality. That's the most loving thing we can do. We owe people that. Uh, he said, and how can we do that? And at the same time, be those who agree and are allies with the LGBTQ community over the tragedy it is of the high 
suicide rate mm-hmm. of transgender teenagers. How can we be a both-and church in that regard? And that's what we will explore and what I'll be exploring. Mm-hmm. So um, during the month of May, we're going to be planning a few ways to lead our congregation to think and live biblically about these things. Again, with a focus of us being us at our best, as full of the grace and truth of Jesus as we can possibly be in the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Um, I was stirred by another younger pastor in our denomination who said, when I have um, what's what we call in the business, um, uh, when I have, um, wh- what do you call converse, uh, uh, apologetics questions yep. <clears throat> from anyone, but especially young adults, about the, the veracity of the Christian faith. They're almost never asking me about why, how do I know the Bible's true? Where do bi- dinosaurs fit in the Bible? Nine out of ten of questions today are, what about the Bible, the church, and LGBTQ? Is Christianity a hateful religion? This is why we, this must be addressed, um, even how, in the framing of that question. And so we're in need of providing leadership and shepherding for externally focused mission reasons and for reasons of discipleship. And so I'm equipping myself below the waterline right now, Harrison. Mm. I'm, I'm not pretending to know anything. Um, yeah, how did that hit you when you received my memo as a staff member last week? Or have you yeah, read it yet? I do have. you read my emails? I do read your emails, okay. yes. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm excited because... Um, since I've been a part of Lake Forest, I don't know if this was part of the initial launch or if this phrase came around a little bit later on, but, uh, Lake Forest has always been, I've known it to be a church for people, uh, a place for people that have given up on church, but not on God. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's, there's been a lot of discourse lately, especially around the LGBTQ community that, um, churches historically can feel like um, a hostile place depending on how you identify and it can be a place that would be scary to come into and I'm, I'm just excited because I, I do I, I agree strongly with you Mike that um, you know we as we try to figure out how to how to love everybody we come in contact with how we figure out how to make um, the gospel, makes sense to everybody we come in contact with. There are just too many people thinking about and talking about this exact thing Mm -hmm. for us to not be intentional about grappling with it because, um, you know, the longer you, the longer you sit around without, uh, with, without engaging with it, um, it almost becomes a statement in itself that Mm -hmm. you've decided Mm -hmm. now we don't really want to, Mm-hmm. get into all that. So I'm just excited for the conversations. And, uh, I, I did read the email. I, I am going to, uh, pick up the books you recommended. I'm excited. It's the, like we've talked about on the last uh, couple episodes of the podcast. It's, it's nice to be able to, um, have to lean into the wisdom of people that you trust that have spent more time thinking about whatever issue mm-hmm. than you will, or I We'll ever have the time to, and Correct. we just get to hop in after they did all the hard work and just download yes. the little wisdom nuggets. So it's it's nice. Yes, um, I will acknowledge it through all this. I'm I'm not the expert, but I'm leaning into them and passing along mm-hmm. the richest biblical diet 
of how to approach this with grace and grace and truth, including can we create a church culture where a parent whose teenager is saying, hey, I'm questioning my gender identity, will that parent feel safe yep. without shame to come to a pastor here? Well, we've got to create that safety. We've got to create that safety for that teen to come to a youth leader. Yep. We've got to create that safety. I, I experimented. I had been reading one of these books most of a Saturday in a sermon, one of my last two or three sermons. And if um, and if you heard, uh, I, I just had a line. Um, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I said, oh, it was on doubt. And I said, uh, you know, I've talked with a friend who's like, I know what the Bible teaches about sexuality, and I believe that that's true. And yet, therefore, why would God allow me to have same-sex attraction if that's true? Um, and that's hard for me. I'm trying to create space where we're presuming there are people in the room who are attracted to the same sex uh, or are experiencing gender dysphoria, and there's no shame in that condition, um, and we want them to, because that's the most, that's the mo, pro, probably the most pain-filled or questioning part of their own life. How does this fit? Who, who am I becoming? Yep. And we want to be a safe place for people to open that up. Um, so with, um, what I will hear from people is, Mike, I, I read this blog saying the Bible really allows for this. I read this thing saying that there's this guy who said he read a book of the guy that, well, the Bible teaches something different than everybody in all of history has ever understood. So it must be true. So what I'm, uh, what I've offered to our staff and elders and I'll offer to you is a curated recommendation of, of just a few books of what the, the pastors I respect the most in this regard, and recommenders um, and institutions uh, uh, who are inviting these folks to speak. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to recommend two authors here. I'm going to keep this simple. One book that I'm reading is by a new friend of mine, Bruce Miller. Um, he's a new friend of mine, has been a long trusted voice. He's written in pastors, kind of for pastors uh, and church leaders for decades. He's about my age and I've known of him from afar. He pastors in Dallas. Bruce Miller has written a book recently called Leading a Church in a Time of Sexual Questioning, colon, Grace-Filled Wisdom for Day-to-Day Ministry. Um, and I, I'm just super encouraged as I've been getting into this book at the ways he and his large Bible-teaching evangelical church are handling these matters in Dallas, Texas. Uh, they're, ju- they're just ahead of us, and I'm so frankly, I'm admiring them. I'm considering them a mentor church, and this book, mentoring from Bruce to me, and he he's open to an invitation to speak either by Zoom or live in person when we get into this. They're also ahead of us in in uh, shifting by prayer and action from a almost all Anglo worshiping congregation to a more multi-ethnic they're ahead of Mm -hmm. us there and so i'm excited to recommend that book to you the author that i want to recommend to you even more wholeheartedly because that's who miller points to uh and his institute um uh uh uh, so first of all um it is the author preston sprinkle uh preston sprinkle seems to be regarded as the the top voice um right now in, uh, I'll say, historically orthodox or Bible-believing, or I hate using the word evangelical because it's a political word today, but when it comes to theology alone among evangelical 
circles. And so Preston Sprinkle, his book, first of all, on um, what the Bible, well, what the Bible, all the main passages on homosexuality and, and gender issues. Mm-hmm. It, that book that I'm reading right now is called People to be Loved, Why Homosexuality is Not Just an Issue. Mm-hmm. You're going to love the tone and the voice of this book and the scholarship behind it. Again, Preston Sprinkle, People to be Loved, Why Homosexuality is Not Just an Issue. Friends, I invite you to re- read this alongside of me. The, the next one, that one of our elders got into immediately and raved about. Um, uh, uh, this is uh, embodied, colon, transgender identities, the church, and what the Bible has to say. Hmm. Um, again, by Preston Sprinkle. Uh, and so these are two trusted authors regarded as the go-to, most fresh, gracious, and faithful voices right now in my pastor circles. Um now, you can go down the full rabbit hole, friends, of Preston Sprinkle's work. He heads up something called the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. It has resources for churches, resources for parents. There's a tab. What if my child is struggling with gender identity, for example? It's called, the website is centerforfaith.com. That's centerforfaith.com. I'm going to hear him lecture for two days next week at Montreat College. He's been invited there for their spring lecture series, and I'll be in a, an environment or two for pastors to have some time with him, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, just know that after, after our staff and elders have had some time to take in these resources, we're going to be meeting in early March to plan how to um, lead and teach uh, and involve our church in these matters. I don't envision it being a big Sunday morning focus. I think this will be for those disciples who are eager uh, and sort of understand the ground rules for Lake Forest. This is something, that the danger is one unguarded moment spoken publicly on video that goes viral, and others define your narrative about who you say you are, and yep. not, we, we will be self-defined in this. <clears throat> So I'm going to be extremely judicious um, and restrained on Sunday morning and invite people to environments for those who really want to learn and dig um, and help us be the church God's calling us to be in the face of this new culture that's never existed before that holds these views uh, in this way. Uh, so that's where we're headed. Harrison, it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. Well, actually, it, it is. I'm excited to start digging into it and and I'm thankful to also be a part of uh, a church it's been a cool thing about being on this team and knowing that um, I personally just and I'm a part of the staff team but I have just such a level of trust Mike uh, of of you and our elder team and just knowing that you know without knowing where some of these roads always take us that um, we know the how methodically and faithfully that the the elders always are are trying to help to steer us so i'm just i'm encouraged anytime we get in one of these processes because i i have a large deal of trust for the people uh in the in the conversations so thank you for that i i find it interesting as i was wrestling with this on study leave in orlando at that conference um i uh, it it became a calling that in next fall we're going to celebrate our 
first 25, our 25th year anniversary as a church and mostly mm-hmm. look ahead to the next 25. But it felt like, okay, Lord, you're saying for us to legitimately say we're a church reaching people in culture with the grace and truth, truth of Jesus Christ and the robustness of scriptures, um, it almost feels like uh, we need to actually follow through on that for what is uh, for the hottest matter today. And I don't mean hot button. We're doing it just because it's a hot button. This is, this is a matter of grave importance for the uh, witness of the church of Jesus Christ to the younger generation and coming generations. And so we want to face it head on mm-hmm. um, with great humility not triumphalistically, and not presuming we are going to come out with all the right and final answers. Well, um, we, uh, we're excited to get into all that. Really quickly before we wrap up, just one last invite. If you happen to catch this oh, in time, yeah. uh, tomorrow, as we're recording this, today is Tuesday the 21st. Tomorrow for us on Wednesday, February 22nd is our Ash Wednesday night of worship service. Um, so we're going to... Uh, it's a it's a great time to dive in to uh, if I'm excited both because we might get some people that normally might not come to a night of worship who are going to experience um, night of worship because they want Ash Wednesday and vice versa. Some folks that are here for a night of worship that have maybe never been a part of the Ash Wednesday stuff that we've done before and uh, the meaningfulness of getting into that uh, season of Lent. So you are invited 630 tomorrow if you hear this in time. If not, it was awesome. I can tell you from the <laughs> from the past to the future, we're excited for it and uh, to uh, get ready to experience the season of Lent together as we journey towards Easter. So uh, we are excited to participate in that with y'all. Thank you for joining us today on the Ask LFC podcast. We will catch you next time. Catch you next time.